Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Fires of the Dead, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Michael. Uh, I'm Brian Stavely today, this time, uh, author of Skullsorn, which is sitting over my shoulder. Uh, he, he was, yeah. Um, there was a bit there and I lost it because I haven't slept in a while. He was just, he was so just, just pretend it was smooth and super clever. That's it. Michael has been looking at too many mirrors while holding obsidian in his hands and in smoke-filled rooms, and it's it's getting to him, creating a lot of phlegm inside his throat as well. <laughs> he, he is the bodily fluid guy. He is the bodily fluid guy. And uh, Rob is the other co-host. Uh, I, I'll be, uh, I guess, I'll be Brian Stavely too. Oh, no. Uh, author of uh, The Emperor Empire's Room, because... Um, we did have Brian Stavely on um, mm, last week, just recently, uh, and then we decided to do another episode and he ran away because we're basically too pretty. That's it. And he just couldn't look at our beautiful faces for too long. Kind of like a reverse Narcissus syndrome situation going on here. Uh, and Dirk. Uh, I am actually Jed Hearn and I write all of Brian Stavely's books. It's the secret. It's why he was able to be so happy after writing a 300,000 word epic long fantasy book twice. And he was, he was totally chill with it. Um, (laughs) So got a couple of uh, great comments from you guys that you've emailed in or messaged in uh, that I wanted to read out just to thank you for supporting the show. First one comes from Robert Ferrari, who says, hi, Jed. Firstly, I just want to say that I'm really enjoying the podcast. I've searched around and listened to a few different podcasts on fantasy writing. Wizards, Warriors, and Words is definitely the best out there. So, oh yeah, heck yes for us. Um, Everybody I've flex. Gained, <laughs> I've already gained so much insight into writing and several different resources just from listening to you guys chat. Uh, he says that he's just finished listening to episode 2.6 on structure. Um, and he asked, with, did I end up putting up the structure for one of my books that I said I was going to do an outline for? Yes. Uh, if you go to jedhern.com, you can check that out. I've done a blog post about the structure for the thunder heist up on there um another one comes from episode 2.6 yes so how this works is do we have seasons we do have seasons we're on season two at the moment 
I don't oh, know. We're on season two. We got yeah, renewed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're currently on like I think two point thirty-one because we're like wow. at about the thirty. We have long seasons. Yeah, we do. Well, it's basically one episode per week. Um, when yeah, do we so... get to uh, negotiate higher salaries? <laughs> I want to get paid more than Dirk. <laughs> I want double. Do Do I need to replace you guys with clones again? Because clones won't complain <laughs> about higher salaries. Oh. We're all doppels already. Actually, Rob, you're the only one who's not a doppel. Dirk and Mike <gasps> were replaced I'm yesterday. Real. You're real. I'm a real boy. Yeah. And Mike, actually, I was lying. Rob is a doppel. You are the only real one. And Dirk, I was also lying to both of those. You are the only real one. Okay. So there we go. No need to have any existential <laughs> panics. Um, <laughs> this next comment comes from Christopher, who says, uh, my name is Christopher. And like you, I'm a fantasy writer in Australia. Heck yeah. Uh, unlike you, however, I'm on the East Coast residing in Brisbane. Recently, I've become quite hooked on Wizards, Warriors, and Words on YouTube. It's a really useful resource and a great palate cleanser. With writing, I'm sure you know it can be quite a dense task. So listening to you four guys laugh and joke about it really takes the edge off it. Thanks, Christopher. That's because we're dense. That's it. <laughs> we're the only thing more dense than writing. We are super dense material. Yeah. Uh, and then the last comment comes from... Uh, Scene Crow, who says, first time watching you guys, I enjoyed the group dynamic and topic, watched a few more after that while I graded papers. Keep it up, gentlemen. Hmm. No one's ever called us gentlemen before. No, well, I, I think we need to uh, raise the finger while we drink. Yes, yeah. <laughs> being the posh individuals we are. Hmm, yes, a delightful day at the uh, at Wizards Warriors. Hello, Warriors gentlemen. Pub in Oxford. Um, <laughs> that is my dream, just to create our own version of the Inklings, like how Tolkien had with C.S. Lewis and two other writers in that Oxford pub, and they just chewed we'll, tobacco we'll and pub. talked about stories. We'll be, we'll be, we do need to hang out at a pub together more often. We do need to do that. I, yeah. I've literally been to that pub where, uh, where Tolkien sort of... Oh, right. good. It's so cool. Yeah, I had, uh, I had a beer and a burger, and uh, awesome. it was just like, yeah, it's just a pub, really. <laughs> <laughs> but they've got my I money. Got, I got to go in there with... Uh, M.R. Carey. Oh, nice. Yeah. Author of the like, girl with all the gifts and all the stuff. That was cool. Sweet. Um, so today I thought we'd talk a little bit about writing rereadable stories. So stories that it's not enough for someone to just read it once and be satisfied, but they have a desire to come back to it, read it a second time, a third time. And it maybe becomes the kind of thing that they read every couple of years. And the reason why I was thinking about this is I've just started reading The Great Gatsby for like the sixth or seventh time. And yeah, it's just super rereadable. And I kind of want to figure out like, how do we write stuff that is rereadable? That's a story where readers want to keep coming back to it over the years. It's sort of, you know, a hangout book um, where, yeah, you just want to come back and, and spend time with the characters and, and be in that world again. Um, yeah, so I have some thoughts to kick this off. Otherwise you guys can jump in with initial opinions you have. Do you want how about to it? Jump in, cool. So. First of all, I was thinking about this in terms of like why the reader is coming back each time. And I think on the second read, a really good way to get them back to read it a second time is to have some sort of twist. So what this does is it recontextualizes the whole book. So you read it through the first time, twist happens, and then the reader goes, ah, now I want to reread it again, knowing the twist so that I can be looking out for the clues that led up to this thing and to understand this story in a different light. Um, what a terrible aim. I'd never do such a thing. <laughs> Rob, you do it all the time. Uh, and then the other one was, so they've done their initial reread. Sorry, they've done their first read, which is about 
there's this initial suspense of trying to get through the story, figure out what's happening. The second read is about the twist, trying to unravel that, see how the clues work. And then I was thinking about what's the third one. And I think it's probably like the subplots because having paid attention to kind of the main plot in the first couple of reads, now they're coming back and they're looking at this minor character or this side arc and they're like, oh, okay, this is actually what I'm appreciating about it now. Um, and then I think beyond that, it comes like for the fourth and, and rereads beyond that, it comes really down to like characters that you just enjoy spending time with, you know, whether that's because they are uh, like, whether because they're funny, whether because they're cool, whether because they make really interesting decisions, whether just because they do awesome things and you, they have these cool locks that you want to experience over and over again. I think in the long term, for me at least, that's probably the thing that, that makes me keep rereading stuff. Great characters and great worlds that you want to keep occupying. Like Harry Potter, for instance, is a series that I will continue to reread over and over again just because of the characters and mostly because of the world is one in which you just really want to live in. Um, yeah, so what do you guys kind of think about the idea of trying to make a story rereadable? I've, I've never intentionally tried to make a story rereadable. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm stunned if anyone reads one of my books for the first time. Uh, that said, I do see that as a comment a lot in reviews of my books, uh, people saying, oh, I, yeah, I'm, I definitely, definitely want to reread this. Um, right. My case, I think it might have more to do with uh, the complexity of ideas, mm. magic system and stuff. I, the, a comment I, I see a lot, weirdly, is I'm not super sure I understood everything that happened in there. Some of this totally went over my head. I want to read this book again. And that might mean that I did a bad job of explaining things. Uh, or yeah. why not? It's a, it's a fine line. I, I mean, I, I'm shocked. I get, I get those kinds of comments a lot in, um, in, uh, in the books, including the, in the audio books. In particular, lately, uh, in the trilogy audiobook, because it didn't come out that long ago in December, um, people are like, "I started it immediately again," or wow. "I'm going to I'm going to wow. listen to it again next week." I got a couple of those, two, three of those, this just this week, um, and uh, and and uh, in my case, they actually say why it's it's because they they either really love a certain group of characters. Um, uh, and or it's because of the amount of detail and mm. the, little, the little the little Easter eggs that I drop and little crumbs that I drop along the way. Um, they're like, oh, ah, this connected back to that and that connected back to this, and I got to reread this or, or yeah. I got to re-listen to this. Um, so, uh, but that's a fine line. You can have too complex. You can have just too much shit. And I. I tend to think <laughs> <laughs> that I might malazad. I, uh, I, I come We're going to get comments I now. You mentioned it. I tend to think. I tend to think uh, that 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 I put too much in, um, which drove me crazy trying to tie it all up and explain because there are things that I mention that aren't explained until in book three. You know, I, I mentioned in book one um, that aren't explained until book three, and then the the certain character arcs but i know that 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 is what what people look for but i wasn't uh looking to uh to write a book that was rereadable though um i mean for me books that are rereadable are are like uh uh feel-good books 
too, right? That's you know? what I was also what thinking. They just make you feel good. Uh, a name of the name of the wind is one that I have I hear brought up a yeah. lot. Uh, yeah. about people they just love to it's just one of those they, it, they take a break from what they're reading everything else and they just sit down and reread that mm. uh, people talk about harry potter that way yeah um, name of the wind gets brought up a lot for me it's things like uh, jonathan livingston seagull right yeah, it's a definitely. it's a short book but it's just such a wonderful positive book about individuality and you know going for your dreams and it's just so so beautifully written have you you've read it mike oh yeah it's, yeah one of my favorites yeah and i've read it probably a dozen times at yeah, least same. it's just something about that book and it's it's kind of the just the positive feel to it you know and it never has any i mean there are books that kind of make me feel the same way like charlotte's web you know weird shit like that but that has such scary moments that I, I wouldn't want to reread it as much. Now, The Silmarillion and Lord of the Rings uh, or The Hobbit, I could reread any time. Um, and, uh, and a lot of those are because of the complexity and the stories and the story arcs. But uh, in something like Lord of the Rings, uh, I skip a lot of stuff because, you know, uh, like on I the songs, really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to get to the part that I really like. So anytime there's a page that's entirely in Elvish, yeah, or you that's know, a part of Dirk's the, likes. Dirk likes yeah. the the menu items and the songs, yeah. and that he just skips all of the boring yeah. stuff about you know epic battles and well, when these I dark read my lords. own books, I do that too. I'm like blah 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 blah. Yeah, he was named this and he was that and he was that. Okay, blah blah, and I just skip all that shit, but. So that's interesting. Do you think it is much easier to have a re-readable story if it's very positive? Do you think that's like a pretty essential component? Because Fletcher, I wouldn't, would assume that a lot of the people who want to reread your stuff are not necessarily there for the positivity. So it's I think with Mike, with, with, Mike, it, with Mike's books, it's more the intricacy and, mm. the, uh, and uh, the, the, there's a, a certain amount of complexity to the plotting and the magic systems and... Uh, and you know, and then there are characters that 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 like in Beyond Redemption. I just want to know what you know what's going to happen with these characters because they surprise me. Um, just when you think somebody's a complete and total shit, uh, which all of them are, um, you uh, you know you get this like 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 I mean, it, it, people talk about grimdark, but I haven't yet to read a Fletcher book that doesn't have. Uh, some sort of cool kind of positive hope inkling of hope in in one of the characters redemption or or something happening um so uh unlike some books that are just grim um they're uh they're uh uh now now like like joe abercrombie's books can be just grim to a certain extent but he has such a sense of humor in how he writes that, yeah. that it just it it takes it to 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 a different level you know i'm listening to the audiobook of best served cold at the moment which i've been listening to on and off for probably the last half year or so and yeah it, it does feel like yeah i know right why didn't i rip through it straight away like it's really kind of cool doing that because it almost feels like this tv show with multiple seasons when you listen to it continuously and the book is divided into seven parts or something as Mikado goes around 
killing various people. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does have a strongly rereadable quality to it where I am like, this is cool that I own this audiobook forever because I think I want to come back and spend time with these characters and see them go through their different things. And yeah, it's, it's, I think the humor is definitely a part of it. And there is a certain thing with jokes where knowing like they're going to come makes them more funnier in some cases. And I think also it's cool when you have stories where there may be like a lot of darkness at the end of a certain arc or whatever, but when you have middle parts of the arc that are really fun and uplifting and entertaining, like that can almost make it even more re-readable because you're like, I just want to go back and experience the time when all of the characters were at Hogwarts and they were having fun hijinks with each other and they weren't having to worry about all their friends dying. That's and the Voldemort nostalgia aspect of it, though. Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's part of I, that. I, I, reads. To be honest, mm. I think a, a large part of people wanting to reread books is actually is nostalgia. nostalgia. Like, mm. I, I have... Um, I have all of Robin Hobbs books uh, on yeah. my shelf in various all sorts of things. I recently just bought like uh, the illustrated editions of uh, the Farseer trilogy, nice. um, all three of them, and they're gorgeous. Um, and I keep meaning to get around to re to, to rereading it because I, I literally haven't read like the uh, the the Farseer books again since I first read them in fifteen years ago or something like that. Um, and I, I know why it's because I, you know, I, 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 when I read them first, I love them so much and I've read through them all. Yeah. You know, I, I recently, a couple of years ago, read like the final trilogy and loved it again. And I kind of want to go back and re-experience it and to recapture it. Um, but the reason I, I think I keep putting it off is, is it's that nostalgia thing where will I actually recapture yeah. it? Or will I look at them in an entirely new light? It's like, you know, like if you watch a, a film or a TV show that you watched as a kid and then you watch it now as an adult, you're like, it didn't age well, did it? No. I, and I, I'm not saying that's how it will be, but there's that fear for me that absolutely, if I try and recapture, if I try and re-experience them, uh, I'll be like, uh, these aren't as good as I originally thought they were. And will that sort of tarnish the entire thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's but, always one of my constant fears. I. So I think I definitely think nostalgia is one reason to reread books, but I think one that, I, that nobody's mentioned um, so far for me at least is when the prose is so like so beautiful or so thoughtful that I want to re-experience it that I that I feel like the stuff that I missed. Like I, I actually using the example of a guest we've just had on and a book that I can see in Fletcher's screen right now, uh, Skull Swarm by Brian Stavely. I recently re-listened to that. Yeah, um, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, and like part of the reason I wanted to re-listen to it is because uh, I loved it so much the first time I listened to it, so much so that it literally spurred me on to sort of like trying to write first person myself. It's the first time I ever inspired Esker. Yes. Ah, uh, interesting. Without yeah, without Sworn. Yeah, uh, wow. Esker probably wouldn't exist, at least not in the form that she does. And I know Mike oh. has, yeah said the same about Obsidian Path. Um, and I, I, but there's, there's, there's something so beautiful about the prose. There's so much poetry hidden in there that I wanted to sort of like go back and sort of like experience that again mm. um, and see if there's other things that I picked up on that maybe I didn't in that first, you know, sort of time around. And I think that's one where if you, the first time you read a story, yeah, you might be like, I'm experiencing the story. And the second time you might be like, I'm now going to 
experience the story in a slightly different way. I'm going to read the words. I'm going to read the way that they fit together. I'm going to I'm going to look at the subtext more. I'm going to you know try and find all those little bits that escaped me that first time. I certainly feel that with Great Gatsby, like rereading that now, there's so many bits where I'm like, wow, that turn of phrase, I'm getting out my highlighter and I'm going to highlight it because that's just majestic and it really captures something that I've learned in the periods between initially reading that book and then reading it now. When I read stuff like that, I I get the highlighter out and I write it down and it's like, I'm going to steal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't normally do it for fiction. I do it for nonfiction. I usually write stuff in there, but in the case of Gatsby, like I first read it at school and we had to analyze it and, um, you know, do notes on it and everything. So that's also part of the joy of going through it again, is there's all that marginalia of things I wrote, you know, when I was in school many years ago and, reflecting on it and being like oh you thought you were so clever for making this observation but now I would write an essay that would absolutely beat your pants off because of all the writing and reading I've done since then and yeah it's it's kind of cool to like have those notes in there so that you can see the ways in which your own thinking and your own thought process has changed and I think that's part of the joy of it as well is it's like it's kind of like going home in the sense of that place hasn't necessarily changed but you have and being able to come back to these books which literally are the exact same words but to have a totally different perspective on it because of the new life experiences that you've had is, is pretty remarkable. In a, um, in a way, you're coming at them from a, a different writer. person. Yeah, right. Sorry, Mike, yeah. what was that? I was going to say, in a way, being a writer sometimes murders your enjoyment of <laughs> books you've read before. Sure. Like I, I can't remember what it was. There's something I recently went back and was like, fuck, I love this book. Yeah. And I started reading it and the prose was just lazy as fuck fuck and i found mm. myself my, mentally editing it as yeah. i was reading it i'm like this is exhausting that. like if i'm gonna edit a book and i'll go edit my book i want to get paid for it yeah reading you know uh, so yeah i i reread a lot less now than i mm. used to Me i think too. combination of because there's i i am getting so many new books sent to me that i should be reading uh and the, the more I write, the less I am enjoying rereads, uh, especially from a long time ago. Like I, yeah, rereading something from high school is almost always painful now. And yep. it's, not, it's not the story that's bad. Mm. The story hasn't changed. It's the like the understanding of, of prose and, you know, editing and eh, not all stuff, though. Yeah, that is something I am a bit concerned about with like Harry Potter is like, yeah, up there with one of my favorite series of all time. I also don't think the prose for it is amazing. And that is something that I am scared of going back to reread and being like, I hope that I'm yeah. not just oh, sure. like being mentally a writer this murders your enjoyment of reading. It's hilarious. It's well, awesome. at like, the same time, I love reading, I want to be a writer. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a writer and you're like, I don't really like reading anymore. Why am I a writer? I Fuck. disagree. I agree for a large extent, but I, I think what it just does you is just, it raises just the agree. bar. Just, no, 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 it, just no, agree. no, 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 no. It raises the bar because when you do find something which has amazing prose, like True. A Name in the Wind, it met, your enjoyment of it is so much higher than just a regular person, yeah. I, I would say. That was just because you're like, this is hard to do. Amazing book where nothing happened. I Did know. you just say just like a regular person? Yeah, that's right. Ooh, We're the elite. Come on. Talking down to the plebs. Um, I, I actually <laughs> think that you can you can actually get more out of a reread as a writer sometimes as well like there are certain books like if they are maybe like the the pinnacle or whatever I don't know. uh you know if you want to experience some prose and maybe work on your own prose yeah maybe go back and read uh, reread 
name of the wind or the like you know because the, the prose is obviously gorgeous um or you know if you want to get in the same in the right mindset like if i'm going to be writing an epic fantasy i maybe want to read some epic fantasies that help me sort of like go okay this is how you start building all of the sort of character things or this is this is the sort of level that you go into in world building like if, if i want to do like a big epic fantasy and i'm like i need to get myself in the right mindset mindset i might go back and uh reread like stormlight archives because yeah. honestly the sheer amount of world building and extra little bits and all that that sanderson has put into it is just it gives us the massive epic scope mm. and you just feel it coming out of the pages so as a writer there can definitely be uses in rereading books that you know are that good at certain things and you want to you know as don't say just steal from them yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's but it. no it's, it's it's sort of like that way of getting yourself into the right mindset for it and and drawing inspiration from them we call it paying homage <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I actually am really looking forward to rereading Stormlight at some stage, probably before book five comes out. But I know it'll be like half a year of my life to get through. Oh, yeah, it's an undertaking, isn't it? I mean, like, I mean, I've got them all on uh, on audiobook and they're all like 50 hours long. And I'm like, that's a commitment. Yep, that's that's it. That is, uh, that is a lot of time. Um, yeah, okay, great. So do we have any other kind of like wrap up thoughts on rereadability? These are some great things that we've, we've brought up, I reckon. If I Write good books. So. Write good books, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, that's what I want to ask quickly. Beyond I like the... to reread and make me feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So emotions are a key part. Just for me. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're all coming at it from a different sort of angle. Dirk just wants to feel good. Uh, I mean, there's other ways to do that, Dirk. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do, though. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, like, I, I think... What do you think different... is in this? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think, like, with, with most things, it's uh, it's all about perspective, isn't it? Uh, there's, there's different... Everybody's looking for something different. So, but yeah, write good books. Oh, no, Rob is frozen when he was just getting... Oh, you just froze that, out when yeah. you were giving a really inspiring end-of-episode monologue. Ah, oh, damn it. It's my moment. <laughs> my time. Jeff Winger speech. Um, he said, write good books and send dirt cupcakes, I think he said. That's it. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> as a... I, I, I don't know where I cut out, so... That's fine. That was It was, it was inspiring. That's all that listeners need to know. Um, as we kind of end this out, apart from the books that we've just talked about, how about we each go around and we list like two to three books that we find really rereadable? How do we feel about that? Sure, yeah, sure. Um, okay, now I need to look at my bookshelf and figure out what I think is rereadable. Um, I don't know. If you can't actually remember it, then it's not that uh, rereadable. Yeah. That is true. Ooh. Come on, rub those brain cells together. Shade. Um, I would probably say the Skullduggery Pleasant series. Like, I've reread that series quite a few times. Um, and that just, yeah, it's rereadable because it, it kind of follows a character growing up. So, and I was reading it at the age when you know i was that character's age so there's that nostalgia factor there and that um the complexity and depth of the world building there is really good as well uh and then yeah i've, I've said harry potter so i can't say that again um what else is is rereadable weirdly weirdly i read the martian quite a bit which is like not a book that you would expect to be rereadable but just the i think it was the feel-good nature of it dirk to your point 
yeah made me keep there's coming no, back to it no bad guys right no it's, it's just a charming like happy you know great great story about overcoming adversity so yeah i like that yeah it's amazing that book still the book and movie still amaze me because it it has no bad guys and yeah. it has no love it has no love story yeah so it's just um, awesome. really kind of and it's still it's great yeah yeah it just shows you can do such a great story with such simple elements Dirk, what are your two to three extremely rereadable books? Uh, I already mentioned uh, definitely Jonathan Livingston's Seagull, um, uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, uh, The Hobbit, and The Silmarillion. Uh, I love to read The Silmarillion. I'll pick it up, and I, you know, I may not read it all the way through, but every year or a couple of years, I'll pick it up and, and read like good-sized chunks of it because those stories I find really so incredibly well written and um and kind of inspire they inspire me to do better more interesting fun stuff awesome uh mike uh for me uh brian staveley's skullsorn there uh massively rereadable um hugh cook's wizard war which is the first of a series uh the rest of the book's for me, didn't really live up to it, but that first book, Wizard War, is so fucking good. I loved the characters, the world building, the the magic system in there. I uh, love that. Um, and a third one, uh, Mick Farron, who wrote uh, pulp science fiction kind of stuff mm. back in like the 70s and 80s. Uh, Mick Farron's uh, The Song of Fade the Gambler. That was like... Weird half Star Wars, half cyberpunk, half dystopian. Uh, so good. Love that book. The Song of Fade the Gambler. Yep. P H A I D is Fade. P H. Uh, the Song of Fade the Gambler. Okay. Oh, I uh, I have. It's been some years now, but I did. I reread like uh, John Carter on Mars. And um, and um, the a lot of the 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 Conan books over over and over again for for many years, but it's been a while. They're very short, quick, fun. Mm. I think Discworld is going to be that for me in the future because I've just started reading those books, and they're like I'm already like yeah, this is this is a cool world. Also, you just quickly you reminded me, Mike. I yeah, I've reread June a few times, and that is a book that has such amazing complexity and also a feel good kind of component to it in a weird way that makes it rereadable. I don't know, man. I, I, I must admit I've, uh, I've reread the first hundred pages of June quite a few times because I yeah. struggled to get further than that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I, I managed to make it through one whole time. I, I, I think like Discworld is one of those where you're, it's, it's rereadable because you just, every time you read, you, you read it, you sort of like, you see something else in the words in the, in the way that, you know, they're, they're used to to point out bits of society and the like that are just so insightful and and almost you know philosophizing that are just yeah wonderful to read it's the density and the complexity of the ideas again rob what are your other rereadable books um i'll pick a few that i've actually reread recently um i, I recently reread sword of kagan uh by ml wang um and loved it as much the second time around i i think the second time around, I actually noticed that the 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 depth of the prose a lot more than I did the first time around when I was caught up in the emotion of the book. And I think that's part of why I, I love rereading it so much is the the, the complexity, the, the the levels that it works on. I just 
wonderful. Um, I've recently mentioned uh, Skull Swan, so I'll mention that again because Skull Swan by Brian Staveley. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, what was the other one? Oh, um, that's it. Retribution Falls by uh, Chris Wooding, which I, I love his Ketty J series. They're just, like as Dirk said, they're fun. They just, they draw me in and just, you know, sort of like uh, barrel me along in the, in the story in this wonderfully fun, inventive story. So I can just sort of, I can reread those multiple times and just enjoy them. Awesome. I was just thinking, I was thinking, Jed, for a follow-up episode that would be fun to uh, involve uh, our listeners. Um, uh, if they would write in and tell us what their favorite rereadable books are. Yeah. Uh, I, and then we could list off some of them. Uh, at the we'll, we'll read them. We'll pick them apart. Tell them why they're wrong. This sounds. Like <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. On your ideas, critique by Fletcher. Just uh, send them in. No, that's a, that's. An I, I'm not going to say you're far more likely to get you know mentioned on the show if you pick one of our books that you've uh, read. <laughs> well, I was going to say number two would be for anyone who has reread any of our books, tell us why mm. uh, and see if we're correct in our in our ideas of why people reread our books because yeah. we could be wrong and that would be a nice lesson for us so you know <laughs> that's a great idea yeah definitely um send them through to wizards warriors words at gmail.com i'll also put that in the show notes for this uh yeah, yeah i'd love to yeah i'd love to hear from you guys like yeah what makes books rereadable for you what books do you think are really rereadable yeah like dirk said if you have reread any of ours like let us know why um because that we might be totally off and it'll be really cool to actually crowdsource some of this information and to yeah figure out how to reverse engineer that for future books and just have you I know I know I personally I have reread my own books many times oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit I have I haven't done it after publishing them I learn something every time I do it and I never hmm. do it you know front to back it's usually pieces and parts I've just done it so many times while editing it but like I like recently one of my friends was reading a book of mine and I was like I've forgotten so much of what you're talking about. I feel like I need to reread this. So yeah, that is something I'm looking forward to at some stage. But, uh, but then you also get to the point where you've read your book, your own book so many times, you just hate it. Exactly. And you need to let it rest for a while just, uh, just to reset and to forget about it so that you can come back to it with fresh eyes, which I think is I'm at the point now with a, with a couple of the books. But Dirk, that's awesome. Yeah, um, listeners, definitely please send in that information. I would love to hear that. Um, yeah. all these listeners we might as well use them for our own purposes yeah exactly and then for your next assignment just each of you write 500 words and then just send it in and then i'll stitch them together and publish a book from that sounds oh good. god we're giving our listeners homework now yeah that's it oh no we've fully become writing excuses no <laughs> worst podcast to become though nah, it's one of my favorites um check it out if you haven't listened to it already anyway thank you for listening or watching to this show everybody uh We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.